So we're picking up in the life of David in 2 Samuel chapter 24. So David's often called a man after God's own heart, but he definitely made his fair share of mistakes. And this is about to be one of them. This particular story is listed both in 2 Samuel 24 and 1 Chronicles 21. I'm only going to be reading it out of 2 Samuel 24, starting in verse 1. So, once again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he caused David to harm them by taking a census. Go and count the people of Israel and Judah, the Lord told him. So the king said to Joab and the commanders of the army, Take a census of all the tribes of Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, so I may know how many people there are. But Joab replied to the king, May the Lord your God let you live to see a hundred times as many people as there are now. But why, my lord, the king, do you want to do this? But the king insisted that they take the census. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out to count the people of Israel. First, they crossed the Jordan and camped at Eroer, south of the town in the valley in the direction of Gad. Then they went on to Jazer, then to Gilead in the land of Tatim Hadchi. Listen, I am not going to pronounce some of these names correctly, so just forgive me as I butcher them along. Uh, And to Danjon and around to Sidon. Then... They came to the fortress of Tyre and all the towns of the Hivites and Canaanites. Finally, they went south to Judah as far as Beersheba. Having gone through the entire land for nine months and 20 days, they returned to Jerusalem. Joab reported the number of the people to the king. There were 800,000 capable warriors in Israel who could handle a sword and 500,000 in Judah. But after he had taken the census... David's conscience began to bother him, and he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly by taking the census. Please forgive my guilt, Lord, for doing this foolish thing. The next morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, who was David's seer. Who was, uh, this was the message. Go and say to David, this is what the Lord says. I will give you three choices. Choose one of these punishments, and I will inflict it on you. So Gad came to David and asked him, Will you choose three years of famine throughout your land, three months of fleeing from your enemies, or three days of severe plague throughout your land? So three years of famine, three months running from enemies, or three days of plague. Think this over and decide what answer I should give the Lord who sent me. I'm in a desperate situation, David replied to Gad. But let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. Do not let me fall into human hands. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel that morning, and it lasted for three days. A total of 70,000 people died throughout the nation, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. But as the angel was preparing to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord relented and said to the death angel, Stop! That is enough. At that moment, the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. When David saw the angel, he said to the Lord, I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. 
but these people are innocent as sheep. What have they done? Let your anger fall against me and my family. That day, Gad came to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him. When Aruna saw the king and his men coming toward him, he came and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Why have you come, my lord, the king? Aruna asked. David replied, I have come to buy your threshing floor and to build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my lord, the king, and use it as you wish, Aruna said to David. Here are oxen for the burnt offering, and you can use the threshing boards and ox yokes for wood to build a fire on the altar. I will give it all to you, your majesty, and may the Lord your God accept your sacrifice. But the king replied to Aruna, No, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. After reading the First Chronicles chapter 21 version of this story, plus the footnotes in my chronological life application study Bible. There's a few more things I wanted to point out. First, in 2 Samuel 24, verse 1, it said the anger of the Lord burned against Israel and he caused David to harm them. It doesn't say why God was angry at Israel. Uh, my footnotes make some speculations, but say they don't know. Now, in 1 Chronicles 21, verse 1, it says that Satan rose up against Israel and caused David to take a census of the people of Israel. So one of the, uh, a point that one of my footnotes made here was that the Hebrew writers do not always distinguish between primary and secondary causes. So if God allowed Satan to tempt David to them, it is as if God did it. So the discrepancy there might be a time period cultural perception of the work of supernatural powers in the Hebrews lives. Also, why was taking a census a bad thing? One of the footnotes here puts it nicely. David's sin was pride and ambition in counting the people so that he could glory in the size of his army, its power, and its defenses. By doing this, he put his faith in the size of his army rather than in God's ability to protect them regardless of their number. Even Joab, not known for his high moral ideals, knew a census was wrong, but David did not heed his advice. We sin in a similar way when we place our security in money possessions, or the might of our nation. I thought that was a neat point to make. Uh, also, it says from David's example, we learn that an action that may not be wrong in itself can be sinful if it is motivated by greed, arrogance, or selfishness. Often our motives, not the action itself, contain the sin. We, might, uh, we must constantly weigh our motives before we act. One thing that stood out to me here was once David 
got his reality check and realized he was in the wrong, he repented and he put himself at the mercy of the Lord, knowing that God was gracious. He knew that consequences might be coming, and yet he still did not doubt the Lord's goodness. I thought that was a really powerful thing. Also, I love reading about angels. And so there's this angel that was bringing this plague and David saw this angel. And in the first Chronicles chapter 21 version of the story in verse 16, it says, David looked up and saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth with his sword drawn reaching out over Jerusalem. And so I like to just speculate on what possibly was going through David's head in that moment. What was he feeling? And it gives us a little glimpse of it later on in First Chronicles. Uh, it mentions First Chronicles 21 verse 18, the angel of the Lord told Gad to instruct David to go and build an, al- uh, an altar which he did to make the sacrifice. Important note is that David didn't want it for free. He knew he needed to sacrifice something to make this. And in 1 Chronicles 21, verse 26, I'm going to pick up here because this is new information that was not in the 2 Samuel version. Verse 26 reads, David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And when David prayed, The Lord answered him by sending fire from heaven to burn up the offering on the altar. Then the Lord spoke to the angel who put the sword back into its sheath. When David saw that the Lord had answered his prayer, he offered sacrifices there at Aruna's threshing floor. At that time, the tabernacle of the Lord and the altar of burnt offering that Moses had made in the wilderness were located at the place of worship in Gibeon. And Saul was the one who had put the tabernacle there. Uh, Side note, picking up in verse 30. uh, But David was not able to go there to inquire of God because he was terrified by the drawn sword of the angel of the Lord. So that gives us a little sneak peek into what I was speculating about. What was David's emotions when he saw that angel? He was terrified. And that's usually what we read when angels appear in the Bible. They freak people out. And then in 1 Chronicles 22, verse 1, it says, Then David said, This will be the location for the temple of the Lord God and the place of the altar for Israel's burnt offerings. So what a story, because this whole event lays the foundation for David to choose the location of the temple. And of course, building God's temple was his great passion, and he never got to do it. His son Solomon ended up doing it. But here we see kind of a planting of that seed in him, and it becomes a fixation for him in stories moving forward. Now we're picking up in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 21. This is Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. This is one of the most iconic moments in the story of Christ, where he is publicly showing who he is in front of everyone, knowing what it's about to lead to, knowing that his death is right around the corner. So Matthew 21, verse 1. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, 
they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to, to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, and this is a prophecy from Zechariah 9, 9, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowds spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? they asked. And the crowds replied, it is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now this particular scene here is one of the few New Testament events that is recorded in all four Gospels. So I'm not going to read all four of them. We're going to pick up the storyline in Luke 19, verse 41 through 44. It says, But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. What a powerful moment as he's entering Jerusalem, knowing what's coming for himself. He's actually grieving over what's coming for Jerusalem. So just a couple comments on this one. This event happened on Palm Sunday, and it is generally referred to as the triumphal entry. This was, this was the fulfillment of two prophecies. One of those being Zechariah 9.9, which reads, Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Check. Prophecy fulfilled. The other one that it fulfilled is actually back in 2 Samuel in the life of David. Uh, 2 Samuel 7, starting in verse 12. God is speaking directly to David, and this is a prophecy both about the coming of David's son Solomon and the coming of God's son Jesus. He says, For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. 
I will be his father and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as I look at, as I took it from, from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. Now, as Jesus is riding through town in Luke's version of this story, Luke 19, verse 39, it says, as the people were shouting Hosanna and long live the king and all of this, verse 39 reads, but some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying these things like that. Jesus replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers, which I think is great. And in John's telling of this story, which is in John 12, starting in verse 16, it says, his disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about his miraculous signs. When the Pharisees said to each other, oh, then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Thus, their plotting to kill him grows stronger. I'm going to say a quick little prayer here. Lord, I don't believe in coincidences. I don't think uh, it's, it's anything other than you that this story of the triumphal entry happened to be the passage that I read on the same day talking about David building your temple and then Jesus who is about to say that he is the temple it will be destroyed and raised in three days thank you Lord for your work in our life in our lives and I pray that you will keep people safe and smart as we navigate these times of this pandemic amen